0: eliminate Eliminate the appeal of your excuses so you can get consistent, stay consistent, create the results you want, and enjoy the journey. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton. Get your calendar out. Get your calendar out. I am going to be doing a a live workshop, Q&A Anything you need it to be on St. Patrick's Day. 8 p.m. on March 17th. I'm pretty sure that's a Thursday. And that is Eastern time. Let me pull up my calendar here and confirm that that is, in fact, a Thursday. But basically, I am opening up some spots in my mastermind. It is a three-month action and accountability mastermind that starts in April. And what I've decided to do is... Go live on the 17th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time and talk all about it. Talk all about accountability and how to create accountability with yourself. Answer all your questions. If you've ever been on a live webinar with me, you know that I stick around until every question is answered. So I'm going to put the link to register to join me. It's totally free on the 17th, Mastermind isn't, but um, to connect with me about accountability, to connect with me and learn about the Mastermind, to have the opportunity for me to interface with you guys and answer any questions you have. That is totally free, March 17th, 8 p.m. Eastern time. I'm going to put the link in the description for this show. So In whatever app you're listening on, if you swipe up on the show art, that is where you will see the description. If for some reason you can't see it, just DM me on Instagram at Elizabeth Benton or shoot me an email, Elizabeth at primalpotential.com, and I'll send you that link. But I would love to get to spend some time with you on March 17th. So mark your calendar right now, grab your phone, open up the app, head over to Thursday the 17th. Put it in there for 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and make sure to grab that link from me because you do have to register, but it is free. Lots of questions today. I'm also going to tell you what we're giving away, but we're going to be talking today about weight maintenance. There was a question that came in about that. There was a question that came in about my postpartum experience or experiences. There's going to be some questions about emotional eating or eating to unwind, stress eating, stress eating. Uh, losing the last 10 or 20 pounds, and is it really harder? Lots of really, really great questions. Somebody's confused about, like, if you are going to burn fat, do you have to be in a state of ketosis in order to burn fat? We'll dive into that. Uh, And we'll also talk about restrictive eating. And lastly, there is a question here about inflammation. It's one of my favorite things to talk about legitimately because... A, I think it's very much misunderstood. I don't think people understand that we can have rampant inflammation in our bodies and not necessarily know it, and that it is a starting point for all of the diseases that we know of, almost without exception. And we, if we want to live healthy and live well and avoid chronic disease, inflammation is something we really have to think about, which is why. There's a question about that, but I'm also going to give away Relief Plus, which is... For this this problem of rampant inflammation in the body that you might not see and you might not feel. In fact, for a lot of people, you don't see it or feel it, but it wreaks havoc on every part of you from things like anxiety and depression. Both of those have a real root in inflammation, any sort of gut issues, uh, hormonal issues because our hormones are involved in our inflammatory regulating pathways. And so if those are off, all of our other hormones can be pulled out of whack. I mean, there's just so many things. So it's something that I swear by. I can't think of really many people in the world that wouldn't benefit from it. Uh, Easily one of my top two supplement picks, I use it every single day, uh, and it's done tremendous things for me, and the stories that I hear from from you guys who are using it are amazing. So, that is what I am going to give away. I'm going to keep it really, really simple. Instead of telling you there's three ways that you can enter to win, there's just one: leave a review of this podcast. And if you already have, that's okay. You can leave additional reviews. You can leave more than one review. Let's say that you reviewed the show in general a couple of years ago. You can leave a review about episode 964, or episode 914, or episode 903. 903 is one of my favorites. So just leave a review of this podcast, any episode or just in general, and you will be entered to win. And I'll announce the winner at the end of today's episode. Okay, diving right in with these questions. And I'll also say, if there is a topic that would be helpful for you to hear about, please let me know. You can put it in the Primal Potential Facebook group. That community is amazing and so encouraging. You can DM me on Instagram, at Elizabeth Benton. Don't private message me on Facebook because Facebook messaging sucks and it eats most of my messages and I never see them. Okay. This first one says, maintaining my weight is harder than I thought. I still feel like I'm dieting. Not sure how to tackle this mentality. I would start with what's your ideal. And so many people have no clue. And what I mean when I say, what's your ideal, is what is your ideal relationship with food for the rest of your life? Do you want to indulge once a week? Is that too much for you? You feel like you want to treat yourself to dessert or an alcoholic beverage three times a month or two times a month? Or for some people, it, it could be more than that. What is your ideal with food? And then we work around that. And I've shared many, many times what my ideal is. And this is an ideal for me in weight maintenance, not an ideal for me because that's what the question is about, not an ideal for me in a weight loss phase. But in a maintenance phase, I want to have a dessert or an alcoholic drink a couple times a month, which means that I'm going to go a week and a half, two weeks of consistency for me, which is mostly lean protein, or clean proteins, I should say, not lean proteins, clean proteins, because chicken thighs, for example, is not a lean protein, but if you get an organic, free-range chicken thigh, that is a clean protein. Uh, Or I would have, you know, 80% ground beef, which is not a lean protein, but it is a clean protein if you're getting uh, grass-fed. So for me, that means if I'm indulging... (laughs) a couple times a month, then I'm having a week, two week stretches where I'm not having ice cream, I'm not having cookies, I'm not having, that's my ideal. I, because it's not just about weight, right? I want to fuel my body very well for all sorts of things, for weight maintenance, for energy, for you name it, hormone balance, all of the things, health Over the long term, the example I want to set for my kids, but I also don't want to be a purist. Tomorrow, as of the day this episode airs, uh, would have been Dagny's second birthday. For those of you that are new to the show, my my daughter, born in 2020, who died unexpectedly when she was a couple weeks old, tomorrow would be her second birthday. And Chris and I have had so many conversations about what do we want to do on that day. And uh, it's extremely hard for me. It's only been not even yet two years, and it is extremely hard for me. And I, and I, I think it'll unfold more as, as more time goes on, as our other kids get older, um, how we want to celebrate that day. But, but I've kind of gone back and forth. But one thing I said is I want our other children to get used to celebrating her birthday. I want that to be something that we celebrate. And so we talked about picking up a cupcake And I, for, I don't know, a month or so now, have known that on March 6th, I'm going to have a cupcake. I have no desire to never have ice cream again. I have no desire to not have a spicy margarita ever again in my life. I want to have those things. But the ideal for me, based on the kind of person I want to be, is to have those things a couple times a month and to eat in quantities that I enjoy and I feel good afterwards. So that doesn't mean that once or twice a month, I want to binge to the point where I go to bed feeling crappy or I wake up feeling like, oh my God, why did I do that, right? That is my ideal when it comes to food and what I want the norm to be and what I want the example to be in my home and all of those kinds of things. Because what my norm is, is, is very much gonna be my kid's norm, right? So when we talk about weight maintenance, a lot of times there's no sense of, I have clarity on what I want it to look like for the rest of my life. Because once you do have that, you can work around it. What I see with people who are struggling with maintenance is that either they're indulging too frequently or when they do indulge, it's in amounts that are excessive, based on, not some arbitrary idea of how much is too much, but based on your fuel needs. One of the beautiful things that I learned several years ago after I lost you know 130-some-odd pounds was I can indulge without overeating. And I don't mean I can have a cup of ice cream and not a whole pint of ice cream. I mean, obviously, I think most of us understand that intellectually. But what I mean is I can add that into my day my ideal is a couple times a month, maybe every once in a while, three times a month, but, but, but on average, twice a month, my ideal, it's okay if it's not your ideals, I can add that into my day and still not have overeaten for that day because I'm, I'm accounting for it in what I'm doing. You know, if I'm going to do a cupcake on Dagny's birthday, I'm keeping that in mind knowing that for the rest of the day, I might need less fuel than on a standard day Often, when people struggle with maintenance, they don't have a clear sense of what their ideal is, and so they're going back and forth between, I'm being really strict, and I'm indulging because, hey, I'm maintaining, right? And there's just too much back and forth and back and forth, and there's no consistency. There's no rhythm. The only thing that's consistent is the inconsistency, right? So that's what I would recommend for somebody who's thinking about weight maintenance. And honestly, I recommend being really clear on your, on your ideal long-term, even when you're in a weight loss mode, because you can set up your weight loss to look like the ideal you wanna have. You might change it up a little bit as time goes on, but I don't think it makes long-term sense to do something for the sake of weight loss that you wouldn't be comfortable doing long-term for most people. This next question says, this is a loaded one, holy Toledo, I'd love to hear more about your postpartum. I feel like no one tells you how hard it is, both physically and mentally. I'm probably not a good person to ask, and I'll tell you why. My first postpartum experience was with Dagny. So she was born via emergency C-section. When she was born, we all... Believed all the doctors believed she was perfectly healthy. The emergency C section wasn't because of her, it was because of me. I spiked a 104 degree fever when I was in labor, and it had been going up, and then come you know, they'd give me Tylenol and it would come back down and then it would go back up. So when it hit 104, they were like, We're going to the OR. So, C section, which I wasn't expecting, which that recovery is a challenge, nursing was a big challenge with Dagny, and then. She died when she was 14 days old, and I didn't see that coming. So here I am, a new mom, recovering from a C-section. I I write about this in Tools for the Trenches, but like the day before she died, they they grabbed me from the waiting room. Uh, we had been home. We read Tools for the Trenches for the story, but anyway, we had been home. Everything was fine, and then suddenly it wasn't. And so I'm sitting in the waiting room. I had ridden in the ambulance with her to Boston Children's. Chris wasn't even there yet, and they come in to the the ambulance driver comes in to the waiting room and says, we need mom. We need mom. We're losing her. We need mom to come say goodbye. And so he's got me by the hand and we're running down the hall from the waiting room into the operating room. And I had a split second moment of like, I can't even walk comfortably. And I'm like running. I'm literally going to rip open my incision. So then, you know, after she died, not only did I still, I was still, you know, my breasts were full of milk and... Um, I was 14 days post C-section and, and hit with, you know, the most unimaginable grief. So that is my first postpartum experience. And I got pregnant again, six months from the day she was born. Uh, and then with Roman, I think it was, uh, well, it was obviously not as traumatic as my postpartum experience with Dagny, but there was still a tremendous amount of trauma for me in you know, is something going to happen to Roman? Because we, we thought Dagny was healthy and we were home with Dagny and everything, you know, we believed to be fine. So there was a, there was just a, a lot of fear there. And I was still very much grieving the loss of Dagny. It still hasn't been two years and I've got a 10 month old. Um, so I don't, I don't have a traditional postpartum experience. Uh, so it's, it's tough, you know, to, to, I don't know that it's valuable to hear about my postpartum experience. What I can say is that knowing that you have to establish some kind of priority on self-care, even though it probably looks very different from what self-care has ever meant to you because it could just be a shower right, and brushing your teeth and making that be a daily priority uh, there were certainly many days where I didn't get a shower or I didn't brush my teeth uh, in those, those early days, especially after Dagny died. Um, it seemed like with Roman, it was probably seven or eight months before I felt like I was getting back to myself. And, and when I say getting back to myself, that, in, that includes, you know, the version of me with a tremendous amount of grief and a tremendous amount of... Um, I really hate the word trauma, but I really hate that word, but it's but it's in this case the most appropriate word. I hate it because I feel like people overuse it. And it's uh this is just my biased opinion. I feel like it threatens to take away from trauma. Like when somebody's like, "Oh my gosh, this, you know, I was so somebody jumped out from behind a door and I was like, traumatized me." You know, obviously that's that's an exaggeration. But you know what I mean? Like people say things and yeah, anyway. Uh, Yeah. The question is, I'd like to hear more about your postpartum. And I feel like nobody tells you how hard it is physically and mentally. To me, it wasn't postpartum that was hard. It was processing the death of my daughter. And I think that that put into context a lot of other things that maybe in another lifetime, I might have thought were hard. But now that I have this understanding of what hard really has been in my life, it doesn't really feel hard to not get a lot of sleep or to you know nurse 16 times in a day or to have a colicky baby or to watch your body change and one of the tough things for me with roman that i that i have talked about a bit is that i thought that breastfeeding around the clock the weight that i gained would just fall off and that is absolutely true for some people but what i hadn't heard was that that's not true for other people and That was a frustrating thing, but you just have to, it goes back to what I talk about in episode 903, like have many reasons, make them strong, revisit them often. And you have to have a lot of reasons to move your body. You have to have a lot of reasons to eat well. And that was something that became a very, very real practice for me. But if you have specific quests, whoever wrote this in, if you have specific questions about postpartum, please, I am an open book. I'm happy to share whatever I really am, but I just... If I were to talk about my postpartum it's really about like grief and I don't I know that's not most people's experience so I don't know that it would be super valuable to get into that but if there's interest we certainly can on another episode. Okay, this next one says, I eat to unwind. I relax with a snack. I stress eat. Eating has been my way of giving myself a break. Let's just pause there for a second. There's more to it. But I want to pause there because and let me let me read this first part again. Somebody writes in and says, I eat to unwind, I relax with a snack, I stress eat, eating has been my way of giving myself a break. I believe you. When we reinforce the problem with present statements, because this, what somebody is sharing is their past pattern, but they're sharing it with present tense language. And what that means, whether you realize it or not, is I still choose this. I still choose this. And when I say I believe you, what I mean is if you're still claiming this past pattern in your present with present tense language, I believe that that's going to be the way you are because you just told me that it is. Okay, so it continues. Sitting to rest has always been difficult for me. I think about the million things I should be doing instead, but if I'm eating, I feel productive, like I'm doing something. Yes, adding more fuel uh that's the next one uh okay so if i'm uh, if I'm eating, I feel productive. Well, this is where I think it's a great opportunity to become a better thinker. you sitting to rest, you think about all the other things you should be doing is eating when your body doesn't need fuel one of those things that you should be doing because this is where I think you've created a narrative that is permissive, like, well, hey, at least I'm doing something. But it is not the whole version of the truth. What does productive mean to you? What does productive actually mean to you? Because I would bet that it doesn't mean overeating and giving your body fuel when it doesn't need it. Productive could mean getting things done around the house. It could mean catching up on work. It could mean getting in a workout. But Productive is not just doing anything, right? Because what if you're robbing banks? Are you being productive? What if you're hurting somebody? Are you being productive? Probably not because that's not how I would, I, I would imagine anybody defines productivity. So use this as an opportunity to become a better thinker. The other thing is look at why is rest important? If you understand your body, you will understand that you are not healthy without rest. And rest does not have to mean, in fact, I would argue it does not mean laying on the couch and sitting around watching TV. That is actually counter to rest. A lot of people think, oh, I'm going to relax by laying on the couch and watching these shows. But if you understand what rest really requires it's not laying on the couch and vegging out. That actually is further draining. It is not energizing and restorative. Watching television is not restorative to your body. It might be a mental checkout, but that is not restorative. So I would also challenge you to use the opportunity to become a better thinker with regards to if I need restoration, first of all, Why is that important to health? Because if you just think, oh, it's a waste of time, then you haven't really thought about it in a mature, rational way. Why is it important? And then what is restoration truly? For me, personally, right now, it usually means going to bed. So I don't need to sit and eat food. I just need to go to bed. But the notion that like, I relax with a snack. That is okay. It goes back to what I said earlier about how like I can have a cupcake and not overeat in that day because I compensate for it. So if you want to relax with a snack, that does not have to be a problem. You just have to make sure that you're not having that snack when your body doesn't need fuel. There will be a time when your body needs fuel. Why don't you save, whether that's your dinner or it's your pre-dinner snack, if that's something that you do, for the opportunity to relax with it. It doesn't have to be, I ate everything my body needed for fuel, and now I'm going to eat again to relax. You can, you can figure, factor that in. Just like if somebody says, well, I eat when I'm stressed. Okay. I think there are other things to do when you're stressed, but another perspective on that is I can eat when I'm stressed and still not overeat. But Based on how much you eat, but also based on planning for that or responding to it. Maybe you think, well, I can't plan for my stress. I would argue you have enough history that you can. But also, let's say that, you know, it it doesn't have to be in a 24-hour period. So let's say that you, and and here's, let me just, before I go off on that tangent, eating to relax does not have to mean... Eating sugar or eating something highly processed. Because if that's the case, then you don't eat to relax. You use sugar to relax, which is something different. Because if you just truly eat to relax, well, then that can be a piece of salmon. That can be some chicken thighs and some cauliflower rice. But the other piece of it is, let's say that you had your normal breakfast and lunch and then you had, a, you had a stressful day at work and you wanted to eat to relax and so you had your, you know, your squash and your salmon or whatever it was and you realized, you know, I probably ate more than what my body needed. Well, you can compensate for that the following day and I don't mean in any way and if, if you know me, you know that I don't mean this, I don't mean that you over-restrict the following day but it's, if I have a cupcake on the 6th I'm going to seize the opportunity on the 7th to do some weight training, for example. I'm going to be sure that I'm not having sugar on the 7th. You know, when we when we have things like sugar, it fills our muscle glycogen uh, to whatever extent we consumed it and to whatever extent that that wasn't already filled up from previous overeating or previous sugar consumption. But for me, since that's not something I do regularly, I know, hey, I bet I have some some glycogen in my muscle tissue, this is a great opportunity the following day or later that day to do some weight training. So again, this all comes back to seizing the opportunity to be a better thinker. The next question says, why does losing the last 10 pounds or 20 pounds of weight loss feel hard and seem slow? The reality is that if the degree of change isn't as significant, then the results will be slower. So when I was 350 pounds and I started making changes, they were pretty significant changes. And so my my weight responded pretty quickly. But then a year into the process, when I only have 15 pounds or so to go, the degree of the changes are not as extreme. It's a game of stimulus response. So when there's Not as much of a stimulus, there's not as much of a response. That's okay. That's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing at all. I would say, why are you not patient with this process? How would you need to think about it in order to be more patient with the process? Okay, let's see. I think we have, we probably have more than we can get to today, but let's, uh, let's see. I journal my food plan for the day and I try to stick to it, but I keep eating things j- uh, off plan just because I want it. I do practice things like telling myself I can have it tomorrow and I put it on my plan for tomorrow and that helps sometimes, but it still feels like restriction and I want to be able to stick to my food plan without feeling restricted. What is wrong with restriction? Is there another thing that you can substitute for the word restriction? Because to me, I see it as being consistent. I see it as being disciplined. I see it as being somebody who values eating well on a regular basis for so many reasons, including how I feel energetically, my mood stability, the health of my hormones, the health of my cells, the example I set for my kids, all of these things. So if I say no to, I was, I was telling my mastermind members, we went to family dinner. And, uh, when I order now, I'm always thinking not only of what I'm going to eat based on my priorities, but also Roman is too small to order him like his own meal. So I'm also thinking in terms of like, okay, what can I get that I can also give to Roman? So, uh, we went out to this place where I got a burger without the bun and sweet potato fries, because I knew I could give, Roman part of the burger patty, and he would enjoy the sweet potato fries. So my mom also got, she got a meatball sub and sweet potato fries. And uh, she said, oh, these are really good sweet potato fries. And I said, oh, I haven't, I haven't tried them. And I wasn't planning to try them. But in that moment, I was like, oh, you know, they're sweet potato fries. It's not a big deal. And it's not a big deal. A sweet potato fry is not a big deal. But what is a big deal is saying yes, every single time There is a temptation. What is a big deal is setting a standard and then throwing it away every time there's something that I want more in a given moment. Not more overall, but in a given moment. To me, that's not restriction. That is consistency. That is discipline. That is being the kind of person that I want to be. It's all a positive thing. So I believe you can change this by changing your view on it. Sure, you can use the word restriction. That's probably going to make you feel crappy. But it's not, that's not the only way to see it. You can see it as being health conscious. You can see it as being consistent or you know, having certain standards for how you care for yourself. I don't want to be the kind of person that says yes to every temptation because I used to be that person and I know where that gets me. So not being that person is not restriction. That. Is freedom, right? Freedom from being owned by every temptation. Freedom from obesity and so many other things. So that's how I feel about that. All right, let's get to that uh, inflammation question because I—that's kind of what prompted me to do this uh, this giveaway of Relief Plus—and then we'll move the other questions to next week. Cause so I gotta make dinner for the kiddo. Um, Let me move this one too. Oh, I already did. Okay, what recommendation do you have to see if you have a hormonal or inflammatory problem? Tough to say, because there's a lot of ways to go about it. You could uh, get the Dutch test, uh, which is going to look at some, but not all of your hormones. So it's going to look at cortisol, it's going to look at estrogen, it's going to look at testosterone, it's going to look at... um, progesterone. It's not gonna look at your thyroid hormones, your adrenal hormones, but you know they are all interrelated. It's not gonna look at insulin or ghrelin or, you know, those kinds of things. And it's it's not inexpensive. Here's what I would say is a starting point. If your goal is to figure out do I have a hormonal or inflammatory problem, I want you to answer these questions. Are you overweight? If the answer is yes, you probably I would say with, with a high degree of certainty, have some hormonal challenges and absolutely some inflammatory challenges. So are you overweight? The same is true with a yes answer of all of these other questions. Are you depressed? Are you anxious? Are you constipated or do you have chronic diarrhea or regular diarrhea? Do you have acne? Do you have joint pain? Do you have headaches? Do you have mood swings? Do you have irregular periods? If you say yes to any of those, I can say with confidence there is a hormonal challenge and or an inflammatory challenge. You can go in a million different directions with testing, but I don't think most people probably need that at the starting gate. If you are overweight, I would bet my hat that there is a hormonal and an inflammatory situation going on. Fortunately, with all of these things, weight, depression, anxiety, digestive challenges, skin challenges, joint pain, headaches, mood swings, uh, irregular periods, there's a ton we can do about it. And it begins with nutrition and movement and sleep and stress management, and it all can be overcome, you know? All right. So speaking of that, we are giving away Relief Plus. I'll also link it up in the show description, which you have to go there anyway too, because I want you to register to join me on March 17th. That's a Thursday, March 17th at 8 p.m. Eastern time. That link is going to be in the show description because you need to register. The winner for Relief Plus is Jai, Jai Saunders, J A I. S-A-U-N-D-E-R-S. Jai Saunders, email me, Elizabeth, at primalpotential.com. Tell me that you are the winner for episode 964. Include your mailing address. And as long as you email me within 60 days of this episode airing, I will get that relief plus out to you no matter where in the world you live. Remember, you can enter to win. All you have to do is leave a review of this podcast. Even if you already have, you can still do it again. You can reference a specific episode or just the show in general, but make sure you go to the show description. And if you can't find it, message me on Instagram or email me and get the link so that you can register for your spot. Um, The spaces are limited. I think we have like a limit of like 500 people for that thing on March 17th. And remember, I'll stay on until every single question is answered. So it's a really great opportunity to connect. Hope to see you there, and we'll chat again very soon. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you enjoyed it, make sure to take a few seconds to leave a rating and review on whatever platform you're listening. It not only supports the show in a huge way, but it also automatically enters you into our weekly product giveaway. For more tools, tips, and strategies on creating change, check out my first book, Chasing Cupcakes, and follow me on Instagram, at Elizabeth Benton. Remember, every choice is a chance, and I'll see you next time.